The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey girl, hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all. But then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra, the optimism doctor, and this is Looking Up, a place where you can expect to find raw, transparent storytelling. Listen in to learn real science-based techniques to cultivate more optimism, resiliency, and authentic joy from artists, athletes, experts, and many more. I have a confession to make. I am not a yogi. It's surprising to most, but I've never really been able to get into yoga, despite really, really wanting to. The benefits from a research perspective and well, just anecdotally speaking, are so attractive. If I'm being honest, it's partly because it all just sort of intimidates me at times. Sometimes I just find it flat out boring. Maybe it's the way namaste is never said correctly in a class. And other times I just, well, I feel really lazy. On my honeymoon trip to India, my husband and I did an early morning yoga session on a mountain overlooking a lake in a small North Indian village. And I definitely had a transformative experience. But way more than physical, it was an emotional and mental transformation. That is a yoga I can truly get behind. For many people, yoga is viewed as strictly a source of exercise. Or maybe it's about being up on a trend. I remember some years back asking a bunch of my friends what they truly liked about yoga. And a few of them actually said, that it was a great place to meet someone to go on a date with. And though there's nothing wrong with that, yoga, in my opinion, and from a familial heritage and culture, I know is meant to be so much more. I'm mostly interested in how yoga can be a tool for resilience and increasing optimism, a practice to be more connected to who you truly are and to help find a sense of purpose. My guests on today's episode of Looking Up are Chrissy Jones and Chloe Kernahan, founders of Sky Ting Yoga. They opened their Katona Yoga Studio in 2015 in New York City. Now they have a robust virtual community and they just launched Sky Ting TV a little bit before the pandemic. Making yoga easier and more accessible to anyone who is yoga curious is sort of their MO. We talk about cultural appropriation accessibility, and how yoga more than anything has allowed each of them to live life with more ease and flexibility, literally and figuratively, of course. I'm excited to try and go about starting my own yoga practice from a different lens, one that maybe will be more motivating to me to try and find out about who I truly am, what my purpose is, and maybe even increase my self-discipline. So how we start this podcast is with a little section that I like to call Looking In. And it's basically, for those of you out there that have heard the show before, you know, it's just a series of some rapid fire style questions to get to know my guests a little bit better and a little more intimately. So Chloe and Chrissy, without too much thought, either of you just jump in, whoever wants to go first. Um, The first thing I want to ask you about is, is there a book that you have read that has actually changed 
change the way in which you've lived your life? And if so, please share with us the title. Uh, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, which is like the basic book you get in any yoga teacher training that opened my eyes to this world of yoga that I read early on in my practice as a yogi and totally changed my life. It's one of those books that I come back to over and over and over again and teach from. Staying healthy with the seasons. Mm. Do you want me to go into it? I mean, please do, because you piqued my curiosity. I like that. (laughs) It's written by a doctor, but it's basically how to integrate traditional Chinese medicine into like daily life and how to live more in harmony based on seasonal shifts. So it takes a look at like diet, lifestyle, thought pattern, all kinds of things. And it's been a great book to go to again and again and again. I love that. Okay. People think I'm blank, but I'm actually blank. People think I'm a vegetarian, but I'm actually (laughs) not. (laughs) I eat all types of things. And Chloe and I laugh because people all the time think we don't drink, we don't eat meat, we don't like stay out late, party and, you know, do all those things or eat gluten. And we do all of those things just (laughs) in, in balance. What about you? I'd say people think I'm more of an extrovert, but I'm actually more of an introvert. Yeah. I, I love I love this question. And, and that answer actually is something that comes up a lot, um, even with myself and a lot of the guests on this show. I think that when you are leading the way in something and you have conviction and passion in it, and it's part of your job and career sometimes to be outward facing, I think a lot of people assume that that is you all the time. And oftentimes it's actually not. And oftentimes to do this type of work, we actually need to be more introverted Definitely. <laughs> to replenish. Yeah. So when's the last time that you both individually cried <laughs> or together? <laughs> <laughs> Literally like two hours ago. <laughs> what about you, Chrissy? I cried, what day is it? I guess I cried last Friday in acupuncture. I just had a release and don't really know what it was from, but felt amazing. So listing off with three words only, can you describe yourself, Chrissy, as a teenager during your high school years? Oh God. I would say creative, goofy, and fun. And what about you, Chloe? I would say insecure, rambunctious, and it's not a word, but like on the stage, I don't know, performance (laughs) oriented. (laughs) When uh, today, without too much thought or judgment, what are three things that have brought you joy? Just today? Just today. My morning meditation, the snow in New York City, and doing a silly shoot that I did today with Chloe at our studio. Plus silly. <laughs> I, looked at, I looked at the footage. It's, it's kind of wacky. <laughs> we were winging it. <laughs> um, three things that brought me joy today. Petting my boyfriend's dog, Remy. A pear I ate that was like perfect. Great. Pears are so good right now. Yeah. And, and, and when, when you like, get that perfect pair, yeah. It was really, really good. Um, and then I was like stopped on the street by a woman asking about like subway directions, which was cute. So I like, you know, those like New York moments when you can help someone yeah. and actually do something good. 
felt good. It's so nice when someone reaches out to you rather than looking at their phone. It used to be annoying, but now that we're not seeing a bunch of people, now I'm like, oh my God, thank God you're talking to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Human interaction. (laughs) Okay. So both of you guys open Sky Ting Yoga. And can you give me a little brief history and our listeners a brief history about Skyting, I feel like it's really garnered this cult following and people from all over are interested in talking about Skyting. So what is Skyting? Why is it called Skyting? And what is the history of you guys starting it and when? So Skyting is, was a yoga studio that we founded five years ago in Chinatown. And Chloe and I were dancers before we were yoga teachers. And then we became yoga teachers. We started studying with the same mentor in New York City, Naveen Mashan, And she developed her own sort of yoga lineage, which is very cool. She's like a savant and developed what's called Katona Yoga. So that's what Chloe and I were studying for a long, long time and blending that practice with the vinyasa background, which is more of like the flow that people are used to in the yoga world. So we blended those two methodologies together and wanted a place to share those teachings and do our own thing. So we opened up a yoga studio in Chinatown where we were living. I found a beautiful space that was the top floor with a skylight. So we wanted something, a name that was not in the Indian lineage because our methodology with Naveen Mashan is more based actually in Chinese and Taoism. So we wanted something to honor that sort of lineage and also honor the space that we loved. So Sky Ting actually means well, sky is like the English word sky. And then ting is a Chinese word that means the room of or the space of. So that's the name. It's also, you know, just a fun thing to say. And <laughs> we we liked that it was kind of quirky. So we started Sky Ting 2015 with one studio in Chinatown. We then branched out the next year to Tribeca with our big flagship studio to do teacher training programs. And then the third year, we opened a location in Brooklyn. Then we decided, okay, instead of doing brick and mortar studios all over, which spreads our energy super thin, we wanted to keep that like community vibe that we loved. So we decided to grow digitally and reach more people online, which has no limit. So we launched Skyting TV November 2019. Wow. <laughs> and then now that was like a side project yes. and quickly became our only project to focus on. So now we are purely digital. We have one studio now just for filming. Such good timing. Such good timing. So we are now mostly Skyting TV, but hopefully we'll we'll do some in-person classes when we can. But New York City is very much still closed with boutique fitness. What makes Sky Ting TV or your practice or modality a little bit different? So of course, it sounds like you blended together two modalities to make something that was uh, more unique. But is there anything else about the space when it was in existence? And maybe you guys will go back to it or about your training, teacher trainings and, and the people that teach on, on Sky Ting TV that makes your guys's practice a little bit different than what people can expect in other types of yoga practice? Yeah, I'd say definitely our spaces have always been really special and, and stood out on the scene. Oftentimes what we found 
previously, like before opening Skyting, was yoga studios didn't necessarily put front of mind branding or design, you know, understandable, like most studios are started by yoga teachers and like, that's not the forte, but that was always something that was like of primary importance to us was actually just like how you were walking into this space. And we were able to find this beautiful space that was like on the top floor when a lot of yoga studios, especially in New York exist in like the basement. Our spaces have always been really bright, light, airy. We keep the design super simple. So usually just like clean white walls and then, you know, like beautiful wood floors to practice on. And then we always have a lot of plants. So it feels, you know, just like airy and inviting and it doesn't necessarily have any ties to really anything. It's, it's kind of like a blank canvas. So no matter who you are and like what lineages you might have come from before or like what you are practicing currently, we tried to make this space as open and available to really anyone to feel comfortable in um, and just let it be kind of like, you know, its own space to just hold you wherever you are and whatever you need. Um, But on top of that, then we have like some fun quirky elements. Like we do have these stuffed animals that were in each of our spaces. Like most notably our original space, we have a giraffe, Giraffe. a very large giraffe. Yeah. That takes up like the whole room basically in its height. So, you know, people would walk in. What was the story on that? It was our designers, like it was an art project from one of his like showings and then it ended up in the space and then it just kind of worked and like, you know, obviously was a photo op for people when they first came because it was just so random. Um, But then it slowly kind of turned into our like personal mascot for Skyting. And then with each additional space, we ended up adding like we had flamingos in Tribeca and then we had pandas in our Williamsburg space. So it just kind of became our quirky thing. And, you know, it added a little bit of levity, I think, as well. So for new people, especially coming into a yoga practice, it can, I think, oftentimes feel intimidating, especially if, you know, you feel like everyone in the room knows what the words, like knows Sanskrit or knows Mm -hmm. all the postures already. But there's like, you know, little elements that we've added into our spaces that always made you feel welcome, even if you didn't know what you were doing, if you were brand new. I love that. I feel like also when you talk about them, like the pandas and the flamingos and the giraffe, I'm just like imagining, I I haven't, I didn't get to ever visit. So I don't know, but I'm imagining like visualizing, like walking in and and it already like sparks some joy. And I think that that's obviously for what I do. I, I think that's so cool. And then I am totally one of those people that definitely feels intimidated in actually most exercise type classes or movement classes, except maybe from like a free form dance class. I would definitely feel intimidated from like a choreographed dance class. But, um, you know, a lot of people find this strange or I guess maybe it would be one of my like, people think I'm blank, but I'm actually blank. I'm not that... I don't want to say active. I'm pretty active. I'm a mom of two and I'm always running around and I work full time and blah, blah, blah. But like, and I like walking, but I'm not like an athlete type of person. And I've always found exercise or traditional exercise to be really hard for me to get into. And I'm also Indian and it's like from my lineage, like yoga, when I've done it in India before and it was more about meditating and breathing, yogic breathing and stuff, I'm I'm down with it. But when I try to do classes here, that are more flow-based and cardio kind of like my husband loves it. When we first met, he was like 
doing yoga every single day. And he also would practice at home. And I just like, and he's also an athlete. I think there's like an aspect of that. But for me, I'm like, I cannot get on the mat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Ha-? And I want to. So I'm like, number one, it's intimidating. Number two, I just feel like, I guess like, what would you say to someone like me that really wants to start? You guys so kindly gifted me membership, Sky Tang TV. I cannot wait to start. I just got my code and I, I told my mom, I was like, my mom is, is staying with us right now and helping us. I'm like, she's really good at, at doing things. Like I'm like, do you want to do this with me? Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking it will help me. But, you know, I, I'm definitely one of those people that, of course, is like, if something's just not your thing, it's not your thing. But like, I actually like want it to be my thing. So I'm not saying like, well, how would you inspire me in any way? Or could you? Can someone be inspired or do they have to come there on their own? Or, you know, I I really do want to start a yogic practice. I have done so much research in it from what I do for a living. And of course, I've spoken to so many people that it's ac- yoga's actually changed their life. Totally. And I think it can change mine. Like I actually do. Just like I think drinking more water would change my life, but I still have been stubborn on it. What's the best way for me to start? Well, we don't typically like things until we're good at them. So the hardest part to start yoga is actually like the first few months where you're like, learning all these new techniques and postures and it feels weird and you're like, is it doing anything or what's going on? But I would say, I always say this to beginners or people who want to do yoga and get into a practice is like, just push through like the first like month or so and try to commit to a practice of like, keep it simple at first, like five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. We have all these different, that's why we invented Skyting TV because there's no yoga that's very accessible that we found online. So we made our classes all different levels, all different styles for people to choose from and very practical. So make it practical as well. Like that's our, our main mission. So just start small and do like maybe three times a week. You put it in your schedule, you make it an appointment. And then after a while, it starts to become fun because your body responds to, like you said, like drinking water. It like tells you that was good and that feels good. And then eventually it becomes a habit. And, but yeah, I think you also have to find fun teachers because yoga can be so boring. (laughs) Well, I actually think if I just put like a huge giraffe in my room, it might help me. (laughs) Totally. But, But I actually love that idea because I'm also a mom and I research self-care and I'm the first person to sort of tell people that I don't believe in that idea of like reading about other people's lengthy, like 80 minute long morning routines just is not real life. And when people are interviewed for that, I'm like, they're like, I always respect when someone's just being authentic. And if that is your authenticity, that's so cool. But I'm like, for me, whenever I'm asked that, because I feel like that's like the number one question whenever we're interviewed for stuff we get asked. And I'm just like, I have to find my like, this is non-negotiable, like very small rituals that set my day up, that make me feel good, that I can do from anywhere at any time. And I've realized that like my time for self-care has really, really shortened. And mm-hmm. what it has is that I can, I can steal or sort of put an appointment three minutes at a time, a few times a day. And at first that sounded like, well, then that's not going to be worth it. But actually I always tell people that there's no small amount of time. There's no time small enough for like something that is 
something that's bringing you joy, if it's not hurting anyone or yourself or an aspect of self-care. And so I can really get behind if there's something that's like a three or five minute entry to yoga that like I could do that. I could say right now I could absolutely do that. But I think what intimidates me is not necessarily the the things happening in a class. Mm -hmm. It's that like devoting an hour long to anything right now. I kind of just am like, I talk myself out of it because I know I have so many other things I have to do quote unquote. And so I think I'm in a, I I didn't know you guys had that. And so I'm super excited about that. Like that's my like problem to entry is like the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think everybody has three minutes. I always tell people that the busiest person has three minutes. And people always say, Oh, I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible. And it's like, no, well, we really made this for you. Like (laughs) the flexible people don't, they can stretch all they want, but yoga is really not about that. It's like, the breathing, the getting into your body and like that connectivity to yourself that makes you feel good. Like that's all we're trying to share with Skyting TV is just like practical techniques for well-being so that you can go out into your life and do whatever it is that you love. It's not to like get good at headstand mm. or handstand. We don't really care about that. It's more just like, mm. here's a practical 10-minute class that makes you feel a little bit better. Enjoy. <laughs> I love that. So for each of you, and maybe this is me making an assumption, but I'm assuming that yoga has changed your life. And if it has, which I can see both of their heads nodding. So I, I was correct in my assumption. <laughs> how how has yoga changed your life? I think for me, when I initially started actually doing more of a, a thoughtful, deep practice, I'd started you know, initially dabbling in yoga in the beginning of college as like, just something I did because I was a dancer and I was like, Oh, you know, I'll be good at this. And then I actually got served my first class. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't actually know what any of this is. And, you know, <laughs> interest was peaked, but I was also a banshee college student doing all the things that you do in college and like running around. So it was after college and I was like working at a restaurant in New York and doing choreography and dancing freelance. And so I like started getting way wrapped up in the restaurant world and like you know, took a promotion and became manager for some reason. Like, I don't know why. And my life started like slowly, like my light just felt like it was being diminished like one day at a time. And I started practicing yoga regularly then. And it was just all of a sudden so clear how necessary it was to develop like a practice of coming back to myself and recentering and refinding. And then that then gave me like the impetus to leave the restaurant industry and to do a dance show and then eventually to do a yoga teacher training. Um, And so for me, what yoga I think has just consistently brought to my world is whether it's the actual practice or just me in, in doing the practice has allowed things to unfold in such an effortless way that has been so beautiful and so eye opening for me and like things that I would have never expected my life to, to be able to take on have come to me and I've been able to take them on with ease as opposed to with effort. Um, not saying there hasn't been effort, but you know, the, the act of receiving has become a lot easier for me, I think in its own way, because of having those moments in a practice of being able to quiet down and to, to stay myself and to find center as opposed to being like so crazy and so berserk, which I think, you know, in New York city, especially is, is a lifestyle that's supported by just yeah. the energy of the city itself. So yoga was like 100% necessary for me to stay sane. And then also to be able mm-hmm. to move forward in a direction that was healthy. 
That's so interesting because I do a lot of work and and talk a lot about, about this idea that we're sort of living in this world and have been for quite some time right now where we're we've lost sort of the in-touchness with our intuition. And it's actually like, and I'm not even speaking from a spiritual standpoint, I'm speaking from a neuro standpoint, like uh, we're actually made to have this really strong relationship with our intuition and our gut, kind of what we we call our gut and instincts. And with the fast-paced world, and, and there's so many pros to so much of the way that our world works right now, but one of the cons is really this idea that we are, are, you know, we're losing touch with our intuition. And people always ask me, how can we listen to our intuition more and hear what it's saying and have a better relationship with it and, and sort of open it more? And it is this idea, it, it, like it sounds so simple and it kind of is because we already have all the resources. It's this idea of going within. And it, it sounds, it, it's so interesting because when I hear you speak, it's like that yoga is, is sort of your conduit to being more in touch with your intuition. Yeah. And your gut and making better decisions and in turn living a more optimal life. And so finding that conduit for people. And I think that's such a great suggestion. I'm thinking of it for myself right now. I think it's really important when you want to start something to know why. We have to know the why. And so I'm starting to realize I really want to start a yoga practice. And I didn't really know why because it's not really about the physical part for me. No. And I am someone that really does better. And I think a lot of people are, at least I see with my practice, a lot of people are better at a more directed type of meditation rather than just sitting in a blank That's too blank hard. mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really for most of us that think all the time and sort of have a propensity to worry or to over overthink, which is not a negative thing. It's it's how we're it's how we're wired. And some of us are more so than the other. You know, I always give this example where I'm like, you are holding a bag and it's super full and someone's like, well, then just get a bigger bag. I'm that person. If I got a bigger bag, I would just fill it up with more stuff. And so when people are like, just quiet your mind and completely think about nothing, like that's when I think about everything. Yeah. And so I think having that like tool and that conduit and knowing why. So for me, maybe as I start, and I'm going to document this, and I'm going to let you guys know, and I'm totally using, I'm using the membership that you gave me to, to, to go through my little experiment right now that I'm going to start. But I now know my why. Like it, it's, it's going to be to get a better sense of uh, in a relationship with my intuition and to practice more of what I teach. So anyway, thank you for that. I love that. What about you, Chrissy? How has yoga changed your life? In so many ways. I Grew up not really super religious. My mom always says she was like a recovering Catholic, and but religion was never part of my upbringing. But I always pray or thought that was like the missing part of my upbringing was I had no real sense of connection to something greater. And yoga for me was that tool to open my lens to connect to nature, connect to my spirit, like connect to my body, which is part of nature. And it still is my tool to like zoom out and get a higher view that fills me up with like purpose and, and a sense of divinity, which is very, very powerful. And then same thing with Chloe. It's like the more I give to the practice, the more I sit with myself and I learn my patterns in my physical body, then you start to get more and more subtle with your awareness. You start to learn about your breath and you start to learn about your thoughts and which thoughts are helpful, which thoughts are pulling you in a direction you don't want to go. 
and just it's my way to refine my life and make sure I'm moving in the direction I want to be moving in. So without that time spent on my mat in a yoga practice or meditation practice, I think I would be a little more scrambled than I already am. And it's just this infinite well that gives back to you. The more you dive into it, the more information comes out and useful information um, to integrate into your life. Do you guys find that for yourselves, is yoga, again, for yourself, better practiced with others or on your own? Good question. I mean, I feel like it's a mixed bag. I like definitely, I and probably because too, um, definitely miss group practice because there is a really special energy that's cultivated in a room with other people. And even as a teacher, it's such a different experience, obviously, than teaching to like a screen versus teaching mm-hmm. to real bodies in space. But there are such key insights that you gain when you're doing something on your own. Like our home practices look very different from what we would do in a group class. Like you hold poses longer, you're probably not doing like a lot of power poses necessarily, or you might be, but for me personally, it's a lot of like rooted, grounded, inward poses that I'm doing at home that give me like the moment to recharge and restore. When a group practice is about community, it's about like looking around the room and seeing others and like laughing and smiling and, you know, just like feeling that current that, comes from being in group. So I don't know. I I wouldn't pick between the two. They're both so useful, I find. And sometimes you can go, or I'm speaking from my own experience, I've had the deepest meditations in a group meditation. Like when you are doing an inward practice together with a bunch of other people, you're, something magical happens where your brainwaves sort of like match up and sync with one another. Like whatever that heart synchronicity Mm -hmm. thing is, is real. I've felt it. And um, I miss that from, you know, having in-person classes. It's like being at a concert too with totally and and sort of everyone's entranced or, or sort of taken to this state of awe altogether at the same time, experiencing the same thing, being surrounded by energy. And it's just like pretty unbeatable. Or listening to music in your car. You can't beat that either. That's kind of... Totally. Yeah. And I'm sure you you feel the benefits of both. So I guess that's that's where that is. But um, do you feel like in listening to to you guys speak, and maybe this is again my own selfish like <laughs> spinning like what yoga could be for me. I guess this is my exploration on this conversation. <laughs> but I feel like yoga in both of your stories and, and how you've been speaking seems to be a part of your resiliency. And so it sounds like it's one of your tools that help you and, and sort of something you can count on because you have this practice that whatever gets thrown my way, I'll be able to deal with it. And I'm stronger and I'm stronger to deal with it because I have this practice that I'm committed to. And so there's this like idea for me where I guess when Chrissy was speaking, a lot of times some of the same benefits that people that are studied that are religious or practice a specific religion or spirituality sort of feel they can deal with things better because they know they have sort of this belief system or this commitment to something that's bigger than them. And so it sounds like there's there's some of that as well. And maybe that's the spiritual side of it, or maybe it's just the sheer side of, of self-mastery 
and practice and being committed to something and sharpening that own that that tool that we all do need to sharpen as humans to deal with things better and build on resiliency is that idea of saying you're going to do something and actually do it and sort of know you did it and then give yourself, you know, pride about it or thank thank yourself for it. So we all have to have those type of practices. Totally. Yes, and that's a huge teaching that yoga gives to people is like the ability to be flexible mentally and ebb and flow with the changes of life. That's like one of the biggest points in all of the the texts of yoga is like nothing stays the same. Everything changes. And when you're doing a practice and studying a philosophy of like looking at the nature of the mind, you just start to see how the mind holds on to ideas. And it's really your clinging to those ideas that creates the suffering. It's not actually the things changing. It's Mm -hmm. like our attachments to how we think life should be instead of what life just is. So for me, yoga gave me that lesson in a real way of like accepting that what is occurring is actually perfect. And it's my belief onto it, my judgment that makes me suffer. (laughs) Like, I think this is bad. I think it should be a different way. That just is all my mind, like trying to play God. And so when you let go, it's just like, oh, you can be resilient. You can find ease and life doesn't have to be as hard as I'm making it. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And so there's a lot of sort of mental wellness benefits in yoga, which for me, I feel like I've always sort of known more about rather than, and maybe that's just, again, because I'm biased towards that type of stuff mm-hmm. more than I am with the physical. But, you know, you live somewhere like LA and I have to call it like it is. And, and even though I'm, I, I think it's pretty cool in some ways, but like yoga has been highly appropriated. And it's just this, like, it's become this, like, almost really, really diluted exercise factory. And it's about it really, like, I know even just a handful of years ago with the people, and this is just, again, my own experience and especially coming from the Indian background that I do have, you know, it, it, it became uh, like just this, like, way for people to lose weight or to, I don't know, just sweat really hard and yeah, lose weight. I don't know. It just became this like very physical, very only physical thing. And and like a lot of people, I think, miss the point that there's so much more to yoga. It's so much more dynamic than that. And it there it's like much deeper, which I guess in some ways, if that's not what someone's looking for, that's not what they're looking for. There's no, I guess there's no problem with that. But I think it's just strange. I didn't even know there was a Chinese lineage to yoga, but um, I thought it was just Vedic and and it's, you know, and so anyway, the point is when I've been to India and like my husband who is totally, you know, he started practicing yoga in New York before he came, moved out to LA and, and he's originally from North Carolina and he's not Indian. <laughs> but when we went to India for our honeymoon and we took some yoga classes, we were like up in um, a really small village by a lake in North India. And I mean, even for myself, like I, I'm, I might be of Indian descent, but I'm from here. Like I've never taken a yoga class like that before. I mean, I don't even know if I can call it a class. It was definitely more like a practice. And it was, you know, from this very spiritual older man who certainly did not look like what the yoga teachers around here in LA look like. 
And we started with like blonde ponytail with like (laughs) crop top on. And nothing wrong with that. But like, you know, it just was a different experience. And it was so like, I felt it in so many ways. And I have to say, I didn't really, it like the last thing I felt it was in my physical sense. Right. Like it was so, but I know it did something to, to myself because I was sore the next day. But like, I didn't even like it just wasn't about that. And so it's interesting where it's gone and and where it's going. And I guess I want to ask a couple more questions, but I I like this conversation because I think you guys are really tapped into the spirituality of it and also the emotional piece to yoga. So just to clarify, our teacher Naveen, she, it's not that yoga is from at all a Chinese lineage. She takes like studies of Taoism and traditional Chinese medicine and blended it with a Hatha practice So she she used like both traditional Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese learnings, as well as ancient Indian teachings and blended them together. So, and she, and that's what she, that's Katona yoga. Yeah. So yeah, she called it Katona yoga. And is she from Katona? Like, is that why? She's from Egypt actually, but uh, was then she moved to Katona later in life. And yeah, that's where she started her studio one of the things that she always like starts her teachings with is like yoga is a practice to help you not lose your mind. So even Mm -hmm. though Katona does definitely have very physical aspects to it, there is like traditional Hatha postures that you will take and hold for long periods of time to a point where you're like sweating and you're in a forward fold for 45 minutes kind of thing. But really what the magic of Katona yoga is, is in the dialogue and in being able to weave the mind through the body and the body as well, like with the mind to like find that sense of integration alongside using your breath to make this harmonic connection between those sides. And so I think that's like really the brilliance, like Naveen's students are primarily like 55 plus year olds, you know, because they're all upstate in Westchester. It's like the moms, you know, and that's who she started teaching initially as well. But it's amazing to go up there and see all of these older people practicing and they're very, you know, in their bodies and like, they're all showing up for their, you know, whatever, bi-weekly pranayama classes um, and, you know, holding postures longer than the 22 year olds in the room can. And it's, it's just, it's a real testament to like the longevity of a practice that's smart and thoughtful versus the more fab like practices that are like, I'd say more what you were speaking to, like Mm -hmm. the power yoga, the like lose weight, all of that kind of stuff, which isn't really of interest to us. Are there any Katona Yoga studios in Los Angeles? There are teachers. There's not a studio, but there are Katona Yoga teachers. Um, one of our best friends, Kyle Miller, is in LA teaching. Yeah, there's a there's people we could send you to once yeah. things are open. Or maybe it's time for a sky ting in Los Angeles. There's a lot of places totally. here that feel like you're up in the sky as well. So. <laughs> we <laughs> also you. have Thank some <laughs> Katona classes on sky ting TV, but... I I love what you're saying. And it's so true. Like we cringe when we go to a class that's all about like working out or it's just like, where's the yoga in this? But I think it's a good entry point for people in the West who like are obsessed with their bodies, but they Mm -hmm. get tricked into a deeper form of the practice over time. Because I'm just speaking from experience. I was that person where I went to yoga Mm -hmm. literally to like get abs. And then after a while I was like, you know, 
practicing Shavasana, which is the physical embodiment of letting go that you practice in any yoga class or regular Hatha classes. And I had an experience that was like kind of out of body. And I was like, curious about that. And I was like, what is that? So I just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper until I found a real mentor and found a real practice that was actually intelligent and true to what yoga actually is, which yoga, the word means union, which is a Mm -hmm. linking of body, breath, and mind Mm -hmm. that when you do that, you feel well. And every people, every culture has always known this, has some discipline where you're blending body, breath, and mind. Like Mm -hmm. you go to Egypt and see hieroglyphs of people doing yoga postures. And of course, like people have always been like doing an embodied practice. So that's why I'm in this field. I, I think it's just like, we need it more than ever, like this way of addressing our mental component as well as our physical and breath. Well, I love that you said that too, because it, it is it is such a good entry point. And so maybe maybe people might get into it for one reason and have no idea what they're getting into and then be able to really benefit from actually these other other aspects of it that are so much bigger than they, they even imagined and get lost in it and sort of become curious and and go deeper. And so that actually is really wonderful. And the whole physical practice was only to get into the mind because there's so much physical agitation in the body. It's like, let's do all these things and kind of clean house in our physical body so that we can be still. Because it's really hard to be still when your back hurts or when you're, (laughs) you know, struggling physically. And that's amazing because in life, it's very hard for us to be still when there's constant stimulation around us all the time, which there is. And so by by way of practicing the stillness when your body is sort of chirping at you from all different places, being like, this hurts, that hurts, I'm shaking now, you can't do this. You know, right. um, it's also the way the world is and the way life is. And the more we can practice stillness when there are millions of things and stimulation being thrown at us all the time, the more optimal we can really live. So I totally understand why yoga is such a beautiful metaphor as well. The discipline in itself is such a beautiful metaphor for living a more optimal life. My last question for you guys, well, actually I have two more. Um, The last question is, how do you guys define optimism? And do you think yoga and your practice has helped you increase your optimism? Are you optimistic? How about we we start there? I would say that I I oscillate in optimism. And I think for me, it is definitely more of a practice than like a natural go-to with, especially I feel like I'm just recalling in the past year um, when there's been obviously so much hardship and um, really like, I think, so much unpacking that we've had to do as individuals as well as as a society and how we're functioning. And so for me, the optimism, it hasn't necessarily gone away, but it's just, it's, it's almost like it's felt buried by the, the weight of everything else going on in the world. And, you know, the layers and layers that continue to get put on on a regular basis this past year. But I guess if I were to, to define optimism, I would, I would... Or I guess I'd say, does yoga help instill hope in you when you're feeling yeah. kind of hopeless? Yeah, I think what yoga does, for me at least, is it, it levels me out 
So it's not about like extreme optimism or extreme like happiness or anything Mm -hmm. like that, but it's, it evens my like lake water, you know? So there's like less waves, less ripples Mm -hmm. so that there's more option for anything to happen and for me to be okay with it happening. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes total sense. And from that place of sort of calmer waters is where you can actually come up with solutions to things and solve problems and even see what the problems are and, and possibly how to overcome them. And actually, you might be surprised to hear that that actually is the definition of optimism. And so optimism is more about resiliency and about curiosity and growth than it is about positivity. Yeah, Um, I love that. So I think that makes perfect sense. And I love that visual. Like I I can't like get that out of my head now of just like calming the waters. (laughs) It's really good. And from that place only, we do know from a brain standpoint, you can't really make good decisions and come up with solutions when you're in choppy waters. It's just, you have to calm the waters first. And so oftentimes that might, that's why when people think about self-care or or giving to themselves emotionally, like people think it's at first selfish, but it's actually not, it's survival. And um, you can't actually see what the issue is and then overcome it until you sort of, you calm the waters. So that's so, I love that visual. And a lot of times when you calm the waters, even like with your diet, as soon as you start eating like a more clean way, like your body gets less tolerant of crap. Like the same thing with yoga. It's like the more calm your mind is, the more crap you see. So it's not like you get happier. It's like, oh, now I have to deal with this. And then you go a level deeper and it's like, oh, then my relationship to this. And it's just kind of never ending. So I always say like, be careful. You're going to uncover a lot of stuff, but it's always been worth it. It's, It's so rich. I love that. Okay. So my last question for you guys before we pull a things are looking up optimism card, which will be your homework for today, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> is what is looking up for you guys? What are you actually hopeful about? Is there anything that's sort of the overarching question? Is there anything that you're working on or that you'd like people to know about? I know that Sky Tink TV is on right now, on as in it's the TV is on. <laughs> so uh, it's on and functioning and working and always on. So people can check that out. But um, what are you most hopeful about and anything else you want you want listeners to know? Yeah. So we're actually about to launch by like the early spring, kind of like a, a premium offering, I guess. It, I don't know if premium is the right word, but we'll start to offer like what we're going to be calling SkyTing Plus, which is both the subscription service as well as Zoom class schedule and more like community interactions. So for us, what we're, you know, trying to look into the future and build out with our programming is just continued ways to help develop and create and um, support our community better. And because we do miss that in-person class aspect of yoga classes in studio spaces. We're just trying to figure out like different translations of that online and how we can continue to to be there for all of the people that are there for us. So we're really excited to see what that looks like. And, you know, one of our like key parts of how we exist as Skyting is just like being able to shift and adjust and 
make changes as necessary. So I don't know. I'm always excited to see what the future holds because like we honestly never know what we're going <laughs> to do next. And like we constantly change our game plans, but that's like also part of the fun of running a business is that side of things of just being creative and exploring. And how cool that you have your practice that has sharpened your resiliency muscles so you can deal with it, whatever gets thrown your way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> Okay, we're going to pick a card from my Things Are Looking Up Optimism deck of cards. And if you guys were with me here, you'd pick the card yourself. But since we can only be doing this virtually, I will pick a card for you. And it'll be the same card for the both of you. Cool. All right. I'm excited. Let's see what you get. Okay, it's this one. Take a moment to reflect and remember how badly you wanted something that you currently have today. Whatever comes up, it could be something really big or something really small. Reflect how badly you wished for it and take a moment to appreciate all the effort you made to manifest and realize it. You did it. So that is your um, prompt for the remainder of the evening. (laughs) I love that. Um, At some point today, maybe when you're meditating, just think about it. Oftentimes, I think we are really, really hyper-focused on what we want, what we need to improve on, what we don't have. But we often uh, forget to take like a good amount of time, space, and energy to really focus on something that we have wanted for so long and we've worked really hard to achieve. And what we know about the brain is the more that you're able to practice self-gratitude and pride for the things that you actually have achieved, really the more productive you are and the more your brain is sort of like, well, this is worth it. Mm. And so I'll keep going. And so it's it's that that constant wheel of like, well, I really want this. I work hard for it. I got it. And now I want this. And now I want this. And so just slowing down and and reminding yourself that whatever it is that you currently have right now, you've worked really hard for. So enjoy the fruits of that labor. Thank you awesome. for that. Thank you guys so much for coming on Looking Up. So and I'm going to keep you updated with my little experiment. Please um, do. <laughs> adding a little yoga to my life. I will. We have a lot of classes on there. So I'm going to write to you and suggest a few to start with. Please do. From talking with thank you. Now I have an idea, I think. <laughs> that would be amazing. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to Looking Up. For more optimistic content, follow me at Dr. Deepika Chopra. For more info on how to get your very own Things Are Looking Up optimism deck of cards, head to thingsarelookingup.co. If you like what you hear and you want to support the show, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our theme music is Me and Shaw Day by Tommy, courtesy of Terrible Records. I'm your host, Dr. Deepika Chopra, and I'll see you next Monday for your weekly dose of optimism.